This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 466, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Merry Christmas, baby. Should it treat me nice? Hello, welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 466. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and joining me are Paul Montgomery. Oh, ho, ho. And Josh Flanagan. Whoop, whoop. Well, you more... made it, Josh. Under the wire. I did. There was, uh, there was, some, there was some air travel. There was some uh, anxiety. I had a whole bit ready in case you were stuck in an airport and you didn't do the, a show. Uh, the escape from San Francisco, as I like to call it, was fraught with a great deal of turbulence. Because we were like escaping the storm, I like to picture myself like John Cusack sure. in 2012. Basically, mm-hmm. I drove a limo for a while. Um, <laughs> the plane bounced around a lot. I thought, oh, is this is gonna be those planes where I actually get sick on. I didn't. I made it. I just went to sleep instead. So, well, this is the last iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast of the year 2014. We'll be back in January. We'll get to that at the end of the show. But so we thought we'd make sure all of us were on the show. Just. To celebrate the year that was the Pick of the Week podcast. Until we get to that point, we, this is a review show. We're talking about spoilers. So if you haven't paused, uh, if you haven't read all your books, pause the show, come back. I can't hear myself talk. So this is going to be fun. Uh, if you're worried about spoilers, pause the show, come back. And uh, the coast will be clear and then you won't be angry. And then we will have a happier life. Which is really all, we, everything's about these days is making our lives happier. Can you hear us? Or is I hear it just you guys your voice? You can. I'm using different headphones, and they okay. are the kind that make me they lock into your head, and I can't hear myself. Oh, okay. So it's fun. You should get other headphones. I, I, I left them at home. You should Not write like you, or type everything you're saying as okay. you say it. That'll be fun for the listeners. <laughs> It'll be fun for the listeners, exactly. It's not, it's yeah. not like you've been doing this for a while. It'll be like just, watching the saying. film The Net. I thought I had the headphones. I outraced a storm across the country to be here. I slept four hours, and you're over here with this fucking amateur bullshit, and I don't have time for it. Well, that's fine. I think everyone would be okay if you walked away. There's a lot of humbuggery going on in this episode. I think, I think we should all cheer up. This would be the one where I snap very slightly over a little thing. It's like, God, that was weird. But you, Josh was really that was that was uncomfortable, Uncle wasn't it? Josh ruined Christmas. Again. Paul, you had the pick. I last did pick have the pick. The, the last pick of 2014. And it is the much-awaited return of Afterlife with Archie. It's Afterlife with Archie number seven. And in the world of Afterlife with Archie, which, as you may recall, has been overtaken by zombies, um, it's been it's it, in the world. It's been four weeks. So that's that's sort of the the distance between issues six and seven, and when they left uh, Veronica's dad's big mansion, when they left that estate, because that just went horribly wrong. And now they're they're out wandering in the woods, basically. And this issue, uh, a lot of it is narrated by Betty, uh, who is uh, writing in her diary. She's been keeping a diary for many years, and it, it it's always been sort of uh, been sort of fraught because uh, she wrote about her her mean sister Polly, who just had some issues. Amazing. Older sister Polly did not like Betty too much. And actually made them change rooms when Archie moved into the house next door so she could ogle the new ginger uh, in the neighborhood. And then when Archie wasn't waving back to her 
or watching her get undressed, I guess, uh, she decided Betty can move back into that room because she's bored. This book dives back Darcy into the deep, the deep end of the uh, psychological pain. You remember uh, when this book started, we really had some creepy issues and we got sort of focused on the zombies and then Sabrina's journey. But we jump back into domestic violence, incest, um, all kinds of, uh, of extramarital affairs. I mean, this is the... Yeah, it's a really dark CD issue. Side there is there is a zombie Riverdale. attack in here, and you do see you know some like Thulu like eldritch kind of monsters in in that everyone has a shared nightmare about Sabrina. They're wondering why doesn't Sabrina just show up and you know and you know wrinkle her nose and and make everything go away and go back to normal. And so like, well, I think I think Sabrina's got bigger problems to deal with. Um, she's fighting octopi underwater and and being sacrificed for some occult right. And so there's so much going on here. There's so many different threads. But I think one of the one of the things I really liked about this issue was the Betty and Veronica and Archie triangle is really coming to a head. And the fact that they have zombies on their heels is only making it, you know, more tempestuous, you know. Well, Archie is basically at this point chosen Betty. He He's goes chosen off with her to the woods. They walk with her holding hands. It's yeah. much kiss. to Veronica's chagrin. Now, now, this arc is called Betty R.I.P. And if they kill Betty, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I'm just warning everyone in advance. I mean, that's. I mean, it, it was huge in the first issue. They kill off Jughead right away, and and first off, eh, Jughead. I just, but I just, I think it's cholesterol kind of, was going to claim him eventually. It's he, he had a very high metabolism. He was doing okay, uh, but I guess that would have high fat, low sugar diet. Yeah, um, but it's also funny with Jughead. They've been calling him Jug Dead, and he died like a month which ago, seems, and he was their friend. Which seems insensitive. It seems a little bit insensitive, but they've been referring to him as Jug Dead. And I mean, it's your best friend. It's kind and of he's only been dead for a couple of weeks, and he's still chasing you. And it's kind of fucked up, but but the, the but I mean, he is following them, right? Like a lot of times, if your best friend becomes a zombie, like it's only for like an episode, and then they're dealt with. This is one of those zombies that sticks around. They haven't managed to get rid of Jughead, and he seems to be leading the other zombies along. He seems to they're be like not the as alpha as zombie. Zombies as say the Rick. Grimes and his They're team. not very good, but the uh, the one thing I also like is that uh, Kevin Keller is super into this whole thing, <laughs> and so that, that when they're having a like a funeral for all of the people that have died, and they basically set out planks for them, they don't even have bodies to bury, um, and and they're just going to say some some words about them, and they even recite some lines from Our Town because they did a production of that. Although that was a like a fun kind of uh, reference and fun kind of uh, detail. Um, then the zombies finally descend on them, and Kevin Keller's like, Horde! <laughs> and and for a minute, everybody's like, what? And he's like, why couldn't you have just yelled zombies? <laughs> he thought it would be more dramatic if you had a horde! <laughs> also, uh, Jug Dead catches an arrow that's shot at him. So this is no you know, minor thing they're dealing with here. They no got some serious thing. zombie problems. But to me, you know, they... You know, again, they this is all about Betty's narration, looking back. What she's doing is trying to recreate her diary because she lost them all in the zombie attack. So she got a blank one from Mr. Smithers. Who has everything. He has chalk in his backpack. (laughs) And so she's been trying to remember her life and rewrite it in a diary. And But then we sort of dip into the uh, Cheryl Blossom family, which if you recall from earlier, was the creepy incestuous twins. And so we get some more of that and their creepy family who is very Stepford Wives-esque. 
they have to be very perfect. And it would be very perfect. Cheryl had a dog that she loved as a child and mysteriously disappeared. It turns out that Jason, uh, her brother, actually murdered the dog, strangled the dog with its leash. And because he was jealous of the attention that Cheryl was lavishing on the dog. So so basically, Jason didn't never turn into a zombie. Um, he was just always a monster. And Cheryl kills him. Well, not only was he jealous, he wanted to be have her have something sad happen so he could, quote, to unquote, comfort her, yeah. soul and just comfort being her. being really manipulative. Really, sort of really gross. Single white female kind of thing. And, and yeah, really. So, she, so she, she hacks him to pieces. And I love that she's like, I'm not Cheryl anymore. I'm Blaze. <laughs> she has this little meltdown. And okay. She's covered in blood, has the knife in her hands. And I like that they refer to, um, like, she looked like uh, Carrie at the end of the movie and uh, Roberto uh, Aguirre Sacasa was the one who wrote the the remake of Carrie. So I feel like someone needs to accidentally there. shoot her with an arrow. Yeah. Oops. Oops. Friendly fire. Yeah. It, this book is fantastic. The art is again great from uh, Francisco Francovia, who did a different style for the flashbacky stuff. More more of a simple style. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 sort of rudimentary, but it but it really works. And then the, oh, the, great. the scenes, yeah, the scenes that I that I really liked. Um, or sort of the high melodrama moments, uh, the bit where Archie comes up to Betty in the forest and there's some great angles in there and it's really sort of high color and there's a lot more detail. You see the stubble on Archie's face. He says, who has time to shave during a zombie apocalypse? And and then there's you know another great moment where uh, in the flashbacks, Betty finds out from her mother that Polly has been taken away mm-hmm. because it's some kind of institution or something. Um, she's, uh, where we might not ever see her again. And the, the look on Betty's face is just so like, you know, sort of soap opera. She just, just huge. She's like, ah, no. <laughs> yeah. This is very much a zombie melodrama, but it's in, in the best possible way. It's very pulpish. Yeah. And, uh, I love it. And this is a great issue. I really liked that it dealt back into all the screwed up stuff that's going on. Because if you're, if they're going to do it, you might as well, you know, do it. And, mm-hmm. uh. The only bad part is it just never comes out. <laughs> I mean, how many issues did we get this year? It was year worth the wait, you know. Yeah. I think we got four issues this year. And I don't necessarily want to see another, you know, artist come in and do a fill-in no, or anything. No, so. it's fine. It's just it's sad because I always look at the at the list looking for it and never see it. And mm-hmm. I am, I'm happy when it does come out. But, uh, yeah, you're right. That shot of Betty screaming about her sister is just a wonderfully, like, 1950s horror-esque shot yeah. of... Uh, it is kind of a 50s horror book, actually, now that I think about it. It's very much in that tone, but but way more screwed up. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know, it's like, it's, like a, it's like a Rock Hudson movie or something. It's just very just high emotion, and but it's but it's really funny, too. It's genuinely yeah. funny. We even got a little bit of the, the, the tempestuous lesbian couple who is not, no longer a couple. Oh, right, right, right. one of them isn't a lesbian. Um, they, they pretty much... They gave us everybody, including Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner, I was about to say, uh, Mr. Lodge still looks, looks like Commissioner Gordon, and that's fine. It's a great design, and he's still a dick. He's like Archie says, we should have a funeral for everybody. He's like, we have no bodies to bury you, simpleton. <laughs> simpleton is not a word I, word I use enough in my daily life that I really should, feel you like should, I should. Like you earlier, when anymore. your headphones weren't working correctly, I could have called you a simpleton just then. Yeah, but you blew that it. would have been appropriate, yeah. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know that it was going to come up. It would have so, been cool if I did, and then this came up, and then it was the thing, but I ruined the show again. 
So there you go. I think this, this is a great issue, great pick, Paul. Great way to round out the year. There was and, a, there were some great books this week, but I was just I'm so glad this is back and it deli- and it's it was great that it touched on sort of all the plot lines that we really like and you know it was just a, a reminder of just how fun this book is. At the end of this episode, we're going to go through the pick of the weeks by the numbers, and uh, this pick will come into play. Pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Pretty big. Pretty big ways. Mm-hmm. So good job, Paul. Good. So, uh, what what else was good this week? Uh, what's what else is on the list? Southern Bastards was almost the pick. Uh, this is number six. This is part two of a of a two part story, I guess. The Ballad um, of Coach Boss. Yeah. So we're 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 seeing Coach Boss as a kid. They're shades. don't try to make me feel bad about Coach Boss, Jason. Aaron. <laughs> He's, they I call mean, him is, useless. Is, they make fun of his name. This is this is right out of the the scalped playbook. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I mean, in a big way, and and that like here's your hero, but he's we're not sure if he's really a hero. And then here's the quote unquote bad guy, and you, you see him from the beginning. You know, here's what he came from, and and you know, here's you already see what he becomes. Um, it's well, really it's, it's life, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's really no, one, no one is purely evil. No, but you know what? It goes even further, I think, in his books, and we've seen this, not in Thor, but like in Scalped and in this, and he's, there's no good guy. He's not even trying to convince you that somebody's a good guy. He's just showing you a character and their development. I mean, like if you went, if you go back to Scalped, is Dash a good guy? He's the protagonist, but then, yeah, I think so, but then, you know, right. And then Red Crow, was he a bad guy? Yes. Was he? I think yeah, they were all bad guys, but you have a certain amount of of empathy well, or or sympathy at least. I would him. take it. I would take it a step further. The fact, like, because of the way that they did that, I have a hard time remembering. I, I, what I remember is that he was interesting and complex, and that that he had a hard time with things. And I tend to forget what it was that made him a bad guy. It's it's like the Sopranos thing, the murders and the yeah, drug dealing. No, the crime. I totally, I know, I get that, but it's like the Sopranos thing. Like you spend time with him, you see, oh right, his mother was really messed up, and he came from that, and his father, and you forget, oh right, he he beat that guy savagely in the first season. Like no. the 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 sympathetic stuff rises to the top. It does. And I find the, that the other stuff case. you don't. It, it doesn't lend as much weight. It's like a, a lot of people had trouble with like Breaking Bad. Like, you know, I don't I don't like this character. But then some people who really latched onto it, like, oh yeah, he did do some really screwed up stuff. Yes. So I mean, I, mean, I can understand he, both ways. And the same thing with like Don Draper. It's that's that's the era that right. we're in. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean the, the the coach boss that we saw in the first arc seems like a fairly unforgivable character. He's a, uh, even he's a monster. In, yeah, and even in this, like he's you know like, he's not a good guy. You don't really like him, but you can sort of admire his his grit, I suppose. You know, thing I think was important is we get that cut back to the present mm-hmm. where he's overseeing, um, which I didn't get at first. I didn't either. I had it to go like back. It's it's the it's the the white in uh, in Big's hair, right? Yeah, and it's it's pretty clear now. I just didn't know Once what you get into. Like. Yeah, but but then you're like, man, there's some messed up short shorts. I don't like that guy. Those are those are those are straight up though. That's that's accurate. Yeah. Oh, I know. It was it's just terrifying. Like, like the angle. It was man. Those yeah. are some tight short shorts. That I think, guy I is think a La- dick. I I think Latour really did the job on those. Oh yeah. Well, I think I think the the main thing for me is that it's really interesting to see where he comes from. But at the end of the day, he's still a murderous crime boss. So I'm not going to feel sympathy for him, even if his dad was a dick and he wanted and because. So really, the only thing that made him sympathetic in this is they really wanted to play football. 
Yeah. True, but that's I not mean, exactly, I, you know. I when he played like, football, he wanted to impress his dad, who had no interest in him whatsoever. But you can also look at, like, this guy had no chance of, of being a good guy. True, like, but that doesn't make like, him less of a bad guy, though. Not at all. Not at all, but it makes him interesting. It has, oh, it has a dimension just, to it. It, yes, makes me, it makes me want to read and, and know about him where, it, you know, where as opposed to just the pure bad guy. You don't really and, it, and it speaks of a larger story that um, this kind of stuff is cyclical. Like, you know, you, the way you said it, Josh, was or, – or, or, or maybe Connor said the, the, um no one's entirely evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you something. I, I, think, I think it's sort of like nobody starts out. No evil. one's born evil except for Damien. Uh, I, I, do, I do know that if I ever walked into my trailer and there were several rednecks having sex and my dad was in a bathrobe holding his dick, pointing a gun at me, and there were chickens. <laughs> chickens. And there were chickens. Everywhere. I'd go, I'd go, all right, I guess there's not much point to any of this. <laughs> I'm just you know, going to say there were two women in that room. Yeah. And there were three guys and there were chickens. That's an MMMFC. MMF, MMMFFC. CC. CC. There's a, there's a tab to slot ratio that. Well, that chicken there. Where was that going? Pretty sexy. Look. Yeah. Have you never seen pornography, Paul? I, because I have, there's but... endless. <laughs> oh, no, but I'm saying like that that opens up whole new avenues. There are a lot of different possibilities here. It's not oh, it's it's asymmetrical, so it I'm becomes saying, all the more. I'm not saying they're having sex with the chickens. I'm not. I'm just saying the the mere presence. I'm also of the not chickens. saying they're not. Right. I can't definitively say either way. We, I read, did we like, all read preacher. It's not. I did like the Mr. Miyagi esque training that yes. Coach Boss goes through. Yeah. The blind fishing and trying to tackle a Which, tree. And, I mean, I'm I did go, enjoy that. I'm gonna go so far as to say like it's a little goofy, but it doesn't matter because we are all. I think generationally trained to be like, yep. Yep. Yeah. That okay. that's how it works. Yep. Yeah. I get it. Mr. Miyagi, stick, whoever, this guy. A crazy old man comes and makes you do weird shit to train to become something else. <laughs> you know? So it's... that's normal. I'm just waiting for it to happen to me one day. <laughs> oh, he'll, he'll win then. It's not, it means he, that. It's know, the Rocky movies. It's, and we you know, know he wins. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he, he, well, he does even. I mean, he ultimately in his life, but as yeah. a kid, it ends, you know, tragically. He's not able to play football because one of his dad's. Uh, enemy shoots him in the foot. Right yeah, his victory. Game. His victory is is, is he going is he's going to be on special teams, and then he makes the it, team. So he makes the team after the wax on wax off session. He's all excited to tell his dad. He walks in on his dad being shaken down because his dad stole those chickens, and uh, so then the guy shoots him in the foot because he's not a starter. So what's the big deal anyway? Yeah, I love that bit that 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 guy is invested in football and he's like and and he loves the the what's the running rebs and he says you know if if you were more important to the game I wouldn't have shot you in the foot but since you're just special teams there are other guys who can take your spot At the end, and, and the, that's all he wanted was to get you know to get to that point and be on special teams and the saddest thing is that is that the relative value of the chickens. <laughs> and I, right. No, I, look seriously, and I and I think this is done on purpose and and well done. Is that the chickens aren't worth that much? And you're talking about an agricultural era. There's chickens everywhere. Like, well, like, they were spe- they're they're fighting like, chickens. They were fighting chickens. Yeah, was it? Was it? Like, it was like Little Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, Little Jerry, Little yeah. Jerry a Seinfeld. It was. They were special <laughs> cock fighting chickens. Little they weren't Jerry just chickens. a Seinfeld. It's yeah, like, like it's like if they were like pit bulls or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's, I guess that makes they more were sense. A whole mess of fighting chickens. Oh. Yeah, okay, that Uncle makes more Tur- sense. Tutwiler. Also, there's fucking Ron's smiling face at me in the letter stage. Yeah, yeah. that kind of freaked me out. It's like, I know that guy. I was on a plane. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, this is this book continues to be really good, and 
I just it was funny because I did I thought for some reason that maybe the last issue was like a one shot look at the character. Mm-hmm. So when I started this one, I really had to. Did I read this? And I went back back and I was like, oh, I didn't read. I didn't. Also, and and as you mentioned, it's really hard to find. I know people ask about you know, sports comics. Uh, Jason Latour's, you know, like the, just the way he depicts the, the training and everything. Like it's it's it doesn't look like a foosball table. It looks like well, the interstitial, guys, athletes. interstitial shots of the action also. Mm-hmm. These guys like football. Mm-hmm. Well, they're southern. I know, but like, like, like in that sort of way that that lends a real credibility to it. I don't know enough about football other than know. Well, this sounds very authentic. This sounds like they know what they're talking about, and is you know. Uh, well, it's not, it's not just loving football. It's it's they both understand understand small the small town southern football culture, yes. which is really authentic here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's then, really you know, the level stuff. of corruption, the, the weird priorities, and then oh, and I also wanted I just wanted to mention that the great bit where he's he's running into the the tree, and you think back on the first arc, mm-hmm. and you know what happens with that tree, and it's sort of, sort of like you know everybody has their their tree that they have to come butting up against, and what does that do to you? So the metaphorical tree, metaphorical tree. Also, not everybody has the metaphorical tires covered in barbed wire and being chased by the dog. You not? I don't. Oh, you didn't grow up in Maine. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. So, Josh, Astro City eighteen. Uh, I love. It's gonna be I, really. I uh, love this. Yes, I love this so much. I, 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 I mean, I I'm almost, glad you weren't having a stroke just there. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I feel like I, I started thinking about it. I was like, are we in real time with this? Because uh, the character is it, um, Crackerjack, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The character Crackerjack had shown up in the uh original series, you know, long ago, I ninety three? No, later than that. Nay, hey, about that. And so is it is it just twenty years later? Are we sort of in real time with that? Like he's in his fifties now and he's getting paunchy and, and beat up. And that's super interesting to me and really cool. Because yeah. that is the opposite of what happens in Marvel and DC comics. Yeah, I mean that's what the whole I mean, the cover yeah. is fantastic. The, the cover Ross. is that this is the best Alex Ross work I've seen in quite some time, and, and it's I, all about the the aging superhero, right? It's, so like, it's like Constantine, right? Like yeah, up the until real one. yeah, the real one. That's why I, I, I caught myself and said time. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting concept to explore. Is these are people have been doing this for a long time. It's not as much, easy as it used to be. They're slower. They get hurt more in battle. They really forever to recover from the fight in, in the end of the night. They don't come back to the house and have crazy adrenaline. He, we almost died sex because they're he too really tired. hammered that part home. Like, <laughs> they're totally not going to. They should fall asleep at the end. Jeez, I, like, I actually didn't really need the flashback to her childhood. No, I really no. just want to. F- I mean, I just really want to explore more the idea of the aging superhero. I agree, and sure that was this is an arc, so we'll get more yeah. of that. But mm-hmm. that wasn't was, bad at all, and I would love to see Cracker Jack. I don't remember if we've ever seen Cracker Jack's origin because it's been twenty years, and I forget. Um, but yeah, I really I liked that first part a lot more, and the the the, the party with all the superheroes. If I had any complaints, um, so I think Brent Anderson did a pretty good job with Cracker Jack and showing having him appear to be older, but I don't think he was very good at showing the lady. They still can't bring themselves to draw unattractive women. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, oh, she's like a 35-year-old, very attractive woman. Um, and I think he could have gone an extra step or two, especially since, you know, she's wearing all the armor and stuff. Right. She so when she, she takes it off, like, he can, 
you know, he, he could he could do a little more with that. And, you know, she can be in shape and everything, but I don't think that that was depicted well enough. And I think there was a really good opportunity for it there because um, right. to see something you don't normally see in comics, mm-hmm. which I think is what Kurt Busiek was going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, even so, just from a storytelling standpoint, um, really great. And you're not kidding about that cover. That cover was... Uh, that was great, and it just once I read the the little blurb and saw the cover, I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, yeah. Like did the rub my hands together, like let's go, let's do this. Yep. So. It's just this still continues to deliver, just like that first and second miniseries. Man, it's really cool. Thor number three. Let's talk about Russell Dowderman. Yeah, I think that's the the real story <laughs> here. Um, as as fun as the story is, um, this guy's really really good. Um, he was really good at action sequences and depicting magic. Like he was really good on the Cyclops first arc that we read, uh, <laughs> but this is like a another level, Russell Dodderman. Yeah, I, I will. I think that him and Matthew Wilson work really well today together. It was a really cool looking issue, and I, I will never tire of two gigantic dumb beings <laughs> interacting with smaller, smarter beings. Yeah. Uh, there was one little bit um, where it, uh, uh, Malekith is trying to break through the door that's enchanted, and there's his red magic flying everywhere, and I didn't know what I was looking at. Yeah, there's a couple of those pages. And, and that was my only complaint where I was – I didn't know if it was Thor or what the hell was going on. Look, he's still he's, – he's still, you know, in a, relatively new. So he's still yeah. got some issues to work on. Like I didn't like his Thor splash at the end this, when Thor Thor's, appears. Thor's giant nipple? I just I just didn't think it was as good as the rest of the issue, but he still uh, does some fantastic sequences in here. I think his character works really strong for the most part. Did we did we know about the Thor arm prior to this? I think it happened in a book we didn't read. Yeah. Okay. Which I don't like. You don't like that? I don't need no. Mecha arm Thor. No, but I did like the Malekith has Thor's arm on him. <laughs> Which I just like that's that's messed up. But messed I was, up. I they you know I I know how comic books work, but it would have been stronger if they just put it in here. I uh, yeah um, I, with the with the arm you know that like ties it in with old King Thor. Mm-hmm. I kind of like leaving that a mystery. Yeah. Like, oh I don't, shit. Yeah. I oh, don't so really... that's like a permanent thing. Yeah, like, I I'd, I'd rather think some real bad shit goes down in the intervening thousands of years we're never going to read. You know, that's more interesting to me than that's to see his far more interesting. Yeah. Which you know, that's the Wolverine lesson that Marvel refuses to to learn. And they Just can sort of like they him. can sort of time travel it away. You know, right. or or forget about it, uh, <laughs> or forget it's a thing. You know, in I the next run, this but... is this should be our our Thor though. Yeah, yeah. They'll probably they'll probably Luke Skywalker it. I I do I do like the idea of Thor showing up at the end and being like where like you know give me my hammer back and the whole issue leading up to that is her doing some really dope stuff with the hammer like it's clearly hers now mm-hmm. you know and well she doesn't really do anything with the hammer the hammer does it actually, on its own well the hammer, yeah but she also deals without the hammer which is yeah cool. mm-hmm. so that part's uh, cool but the, the she rips the door open the hammer. Does all the fighting on this by itself? Hmm. I really, I really like the sequence of my my eyes. Wait, what's happening to my eyes? <laughs> That's just nice. Um, I re- actually, what I really like is the duality of Thor's personality. The Lady Thor is, you know, whoever it is inside, 
has the thought bubble, and then her, when she mm-hmm. talks, she speaks as Thor. So I like the she's basically a multiple personality scenario going on, mm-hmm. and it's fun. It's interesting. It's almost like I'm pretending to be this person, so I've got to show that I'm confident outside, but inside I'm freaking the hell out. And also, um, I like that since she's got thought bubbles, everybody else gets to have them too. And I just like the thought bubble. The thought bubble can be fun. It can be. It can be abused, and it's not being abused here. No. I don't have a lot of patience for it normally, but I'm like, okay, I'm good with this. I'm, I'm enjoying it here as it keeps going even more. It's, it's good. good. It's just, they, they put a bunch of people in a small box that have gigantic powers, and some of them are gigantic, and just let them wreak havoc. It was a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys check out Bitch Planet number one? No. No? This was this was neat. This is a, this is a good start. This is um, it's very much futuristic sort of orange is the new black. Um, when women um commit crimes or really are non-compliant is the way they put it, and they have like temporary twos, uh, tattoos apparently, um for non-compliant. Um, they are sent to another planet. It's a it's a prison planet. It's a very grindhouse kind of idea. And uh, I, and I liked that setup quite a bit. We st- I think we we still have time to really meet these characters, but they're there for various reasons. There's uh, one very very large woman. They spend a lot a lot of the time uh, naked in sort of a prison riot at the beginning when they're being like deloused basically, and uh, they they you know rage against their uh, their uh, their guards and. There's an interesting setup here where you have a uh, a, a white uh, woman who is there against well they're all they're against their her will but she's like she's like the 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 uh, uh, what's what what do they call him uh, tubby fat ass in Shawshank Redemption she's like I'm not supposed to be here and mm. you know and there's and you know they're saying this is the one who's gonna break first and. Uh, parallel action down on earth there's a guy saying my wife is up there and she shouldn't be there it was all a misunderstanding and i had this affair and everything and and you think oh he's trying to save her and get her back when really it's he's trying to save his mistress who was sent there because of a a technicality and she comes back and they end up um basically erasing her um, uh, killing her in the prison system and making it look like, you know, an accident or it was another prisoner, um, even when another uh, prisoner comes to her aid. And so you lose the, the the white character who could have been the protagonist like in Orange is the New Black, but this isn't that lily white version of the prison story. So it's uh, a lot of different women of color and, and different, you know, uh, shapes and sizes in there for different reasons. And one is there um, because she volunteered to come in, and so we'll get to see more of that story. But it's an it's an interesting world, um, and I'm and I'm curious to see where they where they go with it. Um, this obviously has been anticipated for a while, and uh, and I th- and I th- I think it it is a very uh, cool concept and 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 a nice ensemble. Uh, there there are aren't really um, male main characters at all. There are like Sort of in that Oz sense, there's a bit of a, a Greek chorus mm. with the guys who are like monitoring the prison, um, and they're basically there just to comment on things. And I think that's an interesting device too. Who's the artist? Uh, who is the artist? I got it right here. How is the Valentine uh, Delandro? 
Uh, I like it quite a bit. It reminds me of what does it remind me of? Um, there's a there's a dot pitch thing going on, but also it reminds um, the Azarello book, um, Hundred Bullets. Mm, so like Eduardo Riso, like Riso, yeah, it, uh, like and that era of Riso too. Uh, but maybe that's also just like the subject matter and the level of violence that's going on that's making me think about that. A uh, very heavy line. Um, it it looks like it would be like a like a Vertigo book from you know uh, seven eight years ago. Mm-hmm. That's sort of that's sort of the feel. That's sort of the the vibe that I get. But uh, I like it quite a bit. I thought it was really good. Cool. So the holiday season's coming up. Well, we're in it, but the holidays are coming up. We are mere weeks away from Christmas. If you're trying to get some last minute shopping in, please go to ifanbuy.com/slash/amazon. Click through the link there to go to Amazon, make your purchases. And we get a little piece of that action. You know, the last-minute shopping's happening. I was doing it furiously a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you need it's not to, last minute. You've got for me it is because I I'm out of pocket for the next couple of weeks. I have to get everything done by. Anyway, no one needs to know about this. You can order shit from your phone. I want to see some real last-minute stuff. Well, for me, this is last-minute. I'm just saying, if you're listening to this show a week from when we're recording, you're getting close to last-minute shopping. For responsible people, it's last-minute yeah. shopping. So if you need to do that, Amazon's a great way to do that. ifanbuy.com slash Amazon's a great way to use Amazon, and we appreciate everyone who does that, especially at the time of year where a lot of shopping is going on. So thank you, everyone. As well as people who go to ifanbuy.com slash registration, who were for 3 bucks a month and 30 bucks a year, you can become an iFanboy member and help the show out directly. And we really appreciate everyone. With this, the last show of the year, we thank everyone who does that, keeps the show going, makes this very podcast possible by doing both of those things. And we thank you very thank much. You. Now. Thank you. I don't know uh, why in Avengers and X-Men Axis number seven, Deadpool was written like a flower child from the 60s because he's narrating the book, but I'm fine with it because it was really funny. I mean, he's like full-on hippie child, and I don't know if that's that's happened earlier or in another book, but um, it's really a fun contrast when you have the narrator speaking like he's on Hate Ashbury in the '60s, well, the, talk, the, talking the, about this giant battle. This, I mean, the villains and heroes are at a point where they're slightly altered, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe instead of being, you know, hyper violent, Deadpool is, you know, hyper loving, hyper loving, hyper. Yeah, that's happening in his own book. Yeah. And the thing is, it works here because his, the whole crux of this issue is him trying to save Apocalypse, who, if you recall from before, was his little buddy in, uh, in uh, what was that, the, uh, the, the X-Factor book, Uncanny X-Factor? Uncanny X-Factor, yeah. So the, he's turned full-on villain here as Apocalypse, so his, he's trying desperately to get him back. So it works that his, for the personality, but it's just, it was a funny dichotomy of having him in the middle of the battle singing and everybody get together try to love one another right now because they're not. This is funny. This is like Rick Remender at his sort of zaniest, zaniest. best. And they've reined it in a bit since the first issue, which was a little too zany, but this was this was a really good issue, really fun issue. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, hey, hey, how about some, uh, some uh, British country gentleman animals? I, uh, Wild's End, number four. I, I continue to love this book, and I, and I hate that it's going to end soon. Um, but this, this just, it just continues to be so much fun and we do get to see what happens in the other, other parts of the map that were teased earlier. Um, and we're getting a lot of action from these aliens. We also see what happens when you kill one of the aliens, 
shoot it with a shotgun, the glass breaks on this very H.G. Wells style tentacle. I shouldn't say tentacle, but like like robotic tentacle alien. The there's like a little. It's like War of the Worlds alien. It's like War of the Worlds alien. That's what I was looking for. Uh, it's sort of a, a Johann Schmidt kind of um, vapor comes out and goes up into the atmosphere. But what happens after that, we don't know. And uh, continually interesting to find out more about uh, Mr. Slipaway and, you know, no, the Navy isn't just the army with boats and he's seen <laughs> things and... Uh, when they get to another village and people are missing and, and they say, well, no, they've been killed by the aliens. And they're like, no, stop. Don't, don't, you know, don't say that. Don't say such horrible things. And he was probably right. And he's like, I deal in practicalities. It was just the ever stoic they, Mr. Slipaway. They also make it to the pub finally. They make is, it to the pub, which they've been trying to get, get to. they get down to the pub finally. Dang. Yeah. That's, that's what uh, the fox probably sounds like. Uh, Mr. Fox. That voice, that and, and it's written that way, and it's not annoying. It's just, you know, I, I like it. Um, and what I also liked is they, that's why been, that's why I think that's why I can't read this. I would just spend way too much just, time trying to figure. I out I like reading it out loud. I just I, I have fun with it. And um, I used to do that with Hellblazer, mm-hmm. like a lot. Yeah, because I, I just trying to I trying to figure out the voice exactly for me, and I never quite got it. And um, just just real quick, I just wanted to mention that the uh, the the cat the the lady cat who's who's an author is a chain smoking cat. Um, Apparently, Ghost wrote some books for her ex-husband, and they were science fiction. Her own proclivity is to to do like you know literature, straight literature. But the husband would write stuff for future amazement tales, which we get an excerpt from in the back of the book. And they do a mock-up cover from August 1933. There's a guy who looks sort of like a John Carter, Flash Gordon kind of character who's a tiger, and there's like a a, a llama, sort of um, uh, Deja Thoris. And there's tentacles and, and a ray gun, and they give you a little prose stuff. And it's um, Alien Men from the Moon, an adventure of Captain Syracuse by Lewis F. Kornfelt. Tom Syracuse pits himself against the immortal aliens from the moon who intend to reclaim their birthright as gods over all of us by the author of A Martian Travesty, Ten Rockets to Antarctica, and the ending of Forever. I just, I just love this whole milieu. I, just, I, I, I think it's just uh, so endearing and fun. And I, and I continue to love the art as well. Well, that would be a good way to describe Batgirl 37. I've come to a place where I... I mean, this book makes no sense in the greater context of the DC universe, but I've come to a place Great. where... I don't really... It's fine. Like, it's just... I just put it in its own little bubble. Its own well, little... I mean, uh, they're going to be doing that, the convergence thing, and there's all these really fun stories happening with right. like, great creative teams. I was like, why don't you just do this all the time? Right. It'd be so much more fun than just trying to strict to a continuity that's just that people don't seem to like. Yeah, and I mean the black canary in this book makes no sense whatsoever, but it doesn't matter. It's in the context of this story, it's fine. I just mm-hmm. deal with that. And uh, but this is fun. This was like a Banksy type artist decides to co-opt Batgirl as as an image to for for their art mm-hmm. and performance art and their paintings, and so she doesn't like that because someone's stealing her image and. They they start going out on the street as Batgirl. I thought this was a really fun look at modern celebrity culture and art culture, and uh, I, I thought this was really super fun. I think this is maybe the best issue so far. It's a really fun book. I I like it a lot. It's uh, the the one thing. There are times where, as much as I enjoy how much they pack into each issue, each issue, I do wish they would kind of slow down a little bit and get more into all of the friend characters and 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 even Babs a mm-hmm. bit. Like right. just just slow down for some I don't know like like Batgirl Year One kind of 
It's definitely they're all fast paced action packed. It's stories. very fast, and and that can be fun, but maybe like have one issue at the end of the arc or something where you just ease up. Well, Paul, now that you're entering your thirties, <laughs> you'll, you'll find that the things the kids like are too fast and confusing for you. <laughs> I do sound like an old man. Um, so. I also enjoyed this week the Valiant number one uh, from Valiant Comics. We haven't talked about a Valiant that book makes in a while. sense. <laughs> yeah, but it's um. Phew. It's it, it's a big huge crossover from all the different Valiant characters. Um, uh, the the Eternal Warriors in here. That's that's sort of a big part of it. Um, you get one moment with uh, Exo Man of War, uh, Archer and Armstrong are all going to play a role, and it's all about these geomancers. And but the, the you know the, I think the, uh, the the big thing to write home about uh, is Paolo Rivera art, and it's super gorgeous. And he goes through all these different eras and. Basically, the, the eternal warrior idea, this guy Jalad, there, there's always this warrior. And whether it's Viking times or the Crusades, uh, any any kind of uh, warring period, he's there as, as a warrior. And uh, there's this always a monster, too, who has this sort of cow skull face, uh, even if it's concealed inside another face. And it takes on the properties uh, and dimensions of the fears of that time. And so... Uh, at one point, there's a child who thinks, "Oh no, it's it's the Grendel." So it's it's from the you know the Beowulf, um, you know oral history uh, and that sort of legend, and but it, it it reveals itself ultimately to be this this horrible creature that has been following Jalad all this time, and and Jalad always has a geomancer backup, you know, sort of a, a, a sorcerer or mage or something, and it comes in a different form, and they always end up getting killed. All of his compatriots get killed and he fails and so now the monster is coming back and it's time to you know do something about this and hopefully not have you know bloodshot and exo man of war and archer and armstrong and all those characters end up dead um because that is the sort of the prophecy that is the the pattern that's been following but uh it's really cool book and if you haven't read any of the valiant books um it's sort of a good way to get introduced to that it's it it, i think it feels new reader friendly and Paolo Rivera, it's, it's beautiful stuff. So those are the books we wanted to talk about this in the final Pick League podcast of the year. If you can go to fmwood.com, uh, you can find the post for this show. You can talk about these books, other books that came out this week. You can find all of our shows to do all your talking at <laughs> ifanboy.com. And, and as I've mentioned many times, since this is the last show we just, of the year, and I, don't, I keep saying that because I don't want someone to freak out. Uh, I thought I w- we would do the Pick of the Week by the Numbers, which is an old feature we used to do on the website where we would look at all the iFanboy Picks of the Week Break them down with the stats so we can see how biased Josh really is. And only Connor put these together. Josh and I have not seen these. Right. So it we lived be fine. Them, but we He's teased them to us. Well, I literally was putting together this moments before the show. So I, I was yeah. going to actually send them to you, but I didn't. So, yeah, I know, I know nothing about these numbers. So this we could, will be we could have looked and done it ourselves. but And actually, it's actually really interesting this year. Okay. So uh, we break it down by a couple of categories. First, there were 50 picks this week, this year, which is, which is pretty much normal. That was the same number we had last year. Mm-hmm. That's because we take the final two weeks of the year off. Of those 50, I, did, I had 18, Paul had 17, and Josh had 15. That's those and are this, your is the first, this is the first year where, right, where I've been we got all of for the full year. That's right. Ron had I took two over in like year. April or something yeah. last no, year. No, early, because Ron only had two last year. Ron so. started in January. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this was your first full year. So you had 17, full year, right? 17 picks. You did 34% of the iFanboy picks this year. Okay. 
And uh, so that breaks it down. Actually, this is where it starts getting interesting. So last year, by company, we had six different companies and got a pick of the week. This year, we had an increase of 50%. We had nine different companies. Oh, no shit. Pick of the week book. Yeah, nine. Uh, so we had uh, coming in at number one, Image Comics. Now, this was the year we had a lot of image picks, right? So you would have thought Image blew the, blew the numbers away. Is that what you guys would think? Well, uh, the way you're putting I, it. I think they well, would have made a stronger showing in the past than in the past, but probably not. Image had, Image had 15 as, this, as the number one uh, publisher, but only one ahead of four, DC Comics with 14. Really? Really? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, that would wait. That wait, what's, so what's I was in years past. I would have asked what the vertigo skew was, but this year, I guess that's the vertigo skew is only three. Yeah, there's only three vertigos this year. So uh, Image had 15, DC had 14, Marvel had 12, Archie had four, and then Boom Studios, Dark Horse, Dynamite, IDW, and Panel Syndicate all had Panel one each. Is, yeah, those, so we, those, we had a new publisher this year in Panel Syndicate. So, oh, they, no, we had them last year as well. Were they around for last yeah. year? Okay. Mm-hmm. This year we added, uh, let's see, Archie yeah, right. and Boom and Dynamite. Those are the three we added this year. So this a lot, we, we spread them out pretty well. The highest percentage was 30%. So Image had 30% of the picks, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. This is actually, a, the theme is going to be well-balanced year is what I was mm. getting at because this is a very well-balanced year. So let's look at individuals. Josh, Josh, yes. you had... Seven image Present. picks out of your 15. So 50% of, almost 50% of your picks were image comics uh-huh. this year. They released a new series every eight minutes. Followed by Marvel with four, DC with two, Dynamite and Dark Horse with one each. That was Josh's breakdown. My breakdown was uh, out of my 18, nine or 50% exactly were DC. DC yeah. Four were Marvel, three were Image, and two were Archie. And Paul, Paul had the greatest number of different publishers. You had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Wow. Publishers. And uh, your number one image with five okay. of your 17. So you, your highest percentage was only 29% of your picks. So you had a very well balanced year. Five from Image, four from Marvel, three from DC, two from Archie, and one from Boom, IDW, and Panel Syndicate each. So you had a really, you had no percentage higher than 29%. I tried to spread the love around a bit. Yeah, you did. You did it's a good, good, it's a good thing you're the one who's actually running a comic book website still. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a really. Pretty well balanced. Josh and I each had one publisher dominate, but uh, still pretty pretty strong. Now, if you go by series, in the past, usually there's some front runner series. Although last year we didn't have one, we had a, we had a three way tie for first. Now this this is why, where your pick today comes in, Paul. Uh, the most picked book was Afterlife with Archie. Nice. With number with three picks, tied Batman. Those are the two for the two most picked books this year. So we had a tie between DC and Archie Comics, which is pretty crazy. Take that, Didio. Um, and we also have only there were only six books this year, which is the same as last year that were picked twice or more. So if you look six, at all six books that were chosen two or, or more times, right? Okay, can I try and guess those? Mm-hmm. We've already given you two. So Batman and Afterlife with Archie, mm-hmm. Thor, Four. yes. Um, Private Eye, no, no, there's only one. There's only one. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of good books this year that I don't think we picked a lot. Southern so that's Bastards? why that makes this hard. N- no, none of these books are image. I'll tell you that. I'll give you a hint. They're all Marvel. All the rest. Okay. Superior Foes? Nope. There's only one. 
what did we like from that company again? <laughs> how many do we? How many do we need? Three. You got Afterlife, Archie, Archie Batman, Batman, and Thor. Thor. The, three okay. rem- the three remaining are all from Marvel. Daredevil. Yes. Daredevil. Um. Uh, uh, Avengers. Nope. Uh, not new, Avengers. New, 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 nope. new, all new X-Men? Nope. Why don't we remember them if we liked it so much? Do you want hints? Yeah. No. One of, one of them featured oh. a character who starred in a movie this summer. Oh. Oh, Rocket Raccoon. Yes. They got two? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah one and whatever that last one I did. Yep. The all last right. one is a lawyer book. She oh, The Shulk. Actually, two lawyer books in so, the top in the top six. Daredevil and She-Hulk, cool. So Afterlife with Archie and Batman uh, won the year with three picks each, followed by Daredevil, Rocket Raccoon, She-Hulk, and Thor got a Thunder all tying with two picks each. Everybody else got picked once. It was, a, it was crazy. Hmm. So now we have a clear winner for uh, the most picks by a writer. That's uh, not even close. This year, seven writers were picked twice as opposed to 13 last year. So this year, much more consolidated. Jason Aaron. Jason Aaron came in second. Scott Snyder. Charles Soule. Scott Snyder. Char- Scott Snyder had six picks of the week this year. My word. 12% of all the picks were written by Scott Snyder, followed by a three-way tie for second between Jason Aaron, Rick Remender, and Roberto Aguirre Sacasa. Sacasa, right. And in a three-way tie for third, Charles Soule, Mark Wade, Scott Young. Huh. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, artists? Artists, we had six artists whose books were picked more than once. Francesco Francavia. Obviously. Uh, Greg Capullo. Chris Somney. Chris Somney was... Francavia won. He, he got three books. Okay. The three Archie books. And then, so then it was a one, two, three, four, five-way tie for second. Chris Somney, Greg Capullo, Javier Polito, Matteo Scalera, and Scotty Young. He needs to fucking stop it. Scalera got in with... Uh, <laughs> two books. A, a Black books. Science and a Batman. Yeah, I was going to say. And uh, I'm just... Getting my screen to come back, and then uh, the number ones. We like number ones here. So this year, I added a I added a new twist to the number ones tally. So last year we picked sixteen number ones. This year, twelve. And they included the Multiversity Packs Americana, and some of these are number one only by right. Yeah, but that's really the only one like that. The Multiversity Packs Americana, Low, Wild's End, The Wicked and the Divine, Southern Bastards, She Hulk, American Vampire, Second Cycle, God Hate Astronauts. Deadpool's American Art Vampire, of that's not a real number one. Right, but that's still number one. Deadpool's Art of War, The Fade Out, All New Invaders, and Ragnarok. Those were the number ones we picked this year. So I broke it down, because we never broke it down before, to see who really likes number one issues and from what companies. The number one person who picked the most it's number me. ones. Uh, interesting. You both think it's you. Really interesting. It's me. With five. <laughs> Huh. What we've learned from this is that we don't know anything. <laughs> so if we are following patterns, we're certainly not doing it on purpose. No. As we, I guess we're not listening to the show again. We're not smart enough to follow those patterns. We just but here's, do the, but here, here's the thing. It's interesting that you both thought it was you. I had five, Paul had four, Josh had three. All huh. very close, all within one of each other. I was like, I take yeah, but, them all but, the time. But out, of, out of, say, 15 picks, only three of them are number one. I would have, I see, because I would have thought I get bored easily and want to see a new thing. And that no, you out of those twelve, you only picked three of them. Yeah, no, I get, I get that. That's and so, and that's out of my fifteen. So that's you know, uh, uh, twenty percent. And now here's the interesting thing: which company do you think had the most picks? Well, it's Number not one. Image, I guess. Marvel. Marvel. It, it was Image with five. Well, that makes sense. The Fade Out, God Hates Astronauts, Southern Bastards, Wicked and Divine, and Low. 
So 10% of all the picks were image number ones, followed by Marvel with three, DC with two. A bunch of those were me, weren't was it? Well, Low was you. Uh, Wicked and the Divine was you. God, yes, I yeah. did Fade God Out, too. The fade Out. Southern Bastards was Connor? It was... Well, Paul, you only had four, so it couldn't have been... Image had five, so one of them wasn't you. But three of them, at least, were you. But, yeah. Hmm. That's how it broke down. Those are the numbers. Who, who didn't pick Blackest Night? Was that, that wasn't this year. <laughs> <laughs> so this, I thought this was a well, very well-balanced year. We had nine publishers. Uh, between, between the three of us, we, had, we, had, we spread out the love... There was no clear winner for book in that's in past years. I thought this was a good year for Pay the Pick. Everybody got a taste. And what it really does show is we don't we don't really pay attention from week to week what we're picking. So if there was a conspiracy amongst I us. I have noticed that there are less people saying, Oh, you always just pick DC books or always you just always talk about Marvel books. We don't you know, we don't really get that much anymore. I think we've beaten those people down into submission. Either they yeah. stopped listening or they just stopped complaining. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I mean, like that, that was, was just thing. funny because it was like because one year, I don't know if it was two, three years ago, or it's yeah. like someone complained about Marvel one week and then the next week we were like, You always just talk about DC. Oh, yeah. that happened every week. For yeah. for a little while that was that was a constant thing. But that was when both of them were in a lot of up upheaval. So like at a certain point we're getting out of it, but at a certain point we were really down on DC. Mm-hmm. As a whole, and I still think we kind of are, but those bright spots. Keep I think them that alive. was that was pre New Fifty Two, pre post. Well, they had, it's, it's been they had, the entire length of our nine years. Well, the thing is, show. they had they had a really fallow period for the eight or nine months leading up to New Fifty Two, mm. and then which we didn't know why until we found out. Right, and then afterwards, like the first sort of. It was interesting. The sort of first month, obviously, was interesting. So we talked about all the number ones and stuff, and there was at least things to think about. And then it was like, oh, I. I see what they're doing now. And there was very little to grab onto uh, for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was also a year where uh, we weren't reading hardly any Marvel books. Yes, that's I true. Remember, I yeah. remember doing the, the stats for that year and Josh had, had like hardly any Marvel picks because it was yeah. a tough year. It's, just, it's, it's cyclical. And I, think I, I still think they, I mean, like half of, we're probably not reading a lot of like DC's output, but like, you know, you've got Greg Pak and, and Aaron Cooter on Action Comics and you've got, you know, sort of interesting stuff happening in, in Batman right now. And, and, you know, there's, there's, there's cool stuff here and there, which seems normal, actually, really. Like, this is a little more like it used to be, I think, as opposed to sort of the line-wide house artist and sort of, you know, thing that, that they seem to be doing mostly. There's definitely bright spots. Cool. I think it was good. I, you know, I think, I, think, uh, I think it was nice to see that we had a lot of different... Lo- I like to see Archie in a lot of these lists. I like to see that... We got and almost every major publisher got a pick. Yeah, that's, that's pretty and, great. And there's no coordination. There's no discussion about it. I don't know what the pick is until it's chosen by the other guys. So I think it's good to to see that when it shakes out, it's pretty. I mean, obviously the big two are going to be up there and images up there, but it's well, it's nice to see everyone. Get here's a the bit thing: the pick of the week. I mean, and people kind of know this, but it either makes itself very obvious to us right away if you're the person reading them. And so there's, there's not really many ways around it. You read your books and you go, oh, that, that was the one. Or you have to think about it. And this, when you think about it, as soon as you come down on it, you go, oh, right. And then it once again is very obvious. Like it, either way that you approach it, you either smacks you in the face right away. There's usually not much question. I can't remember coming away from a show and going, that shouldn't have been the pick. You know, like the, it, it, 
it, the truth will out, I suppose, is how it sort of usually works, at least for the person. The, the one thing I wanted to ask you guys is uh, thinking about it, and I don't, I don't have all the stats in front of me, so I can't look at it, but I don't think I ever got the, I don't think I ever got the, I had the opportunity to, but I never got to pick Ms. Marvel as my pick of the week. And I love that book. That's one of my favorite yeah. books of 2014. And it, it, it would get, you know, beat out that week by some other book. Or you wouldn't have the pick when it came out. The thing is, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah the, exactly. the pick of the week is only a, a, a reflection of that particular week and that particular person who has the pick. I mean, it doesn't it's a, reflect. It's a random the, sampling. It doesn't affect. It doesn't reflect the best books. You know, it's it's because we used to get this complaint a lot. You know, why didn't you ever pick this book? Well, because it's like a it's Timing. it's almost like a, a slot machine, right? So you've got three different spinning wheels, and it's the person with the pick, the book that comes out. And how what how the quality of that particular issue or whatever else is out there, we can they all have to line up, and they don't always line up. There's lots of books I love. I've never I've never made the pick because just I never had the book the pick when the, that, that book came out or or that particular issue. I had it. It wasn't it wasn't the best issue issue that week. It's just there's so many variables that go into what makes the, gets that pick. It doesn't reflect. You couldn't take well, top picks and make those the best. Although I guess you know you could look as if you sort of go across. I mean, if, if you, you go if you go across sort of the books that we all really enjoyed this year, we've each got our own favorites for whatever. You know, like you know, for me, pretty much every issue of Black Science that came out was was magnificent, or or every issue of Lazarus, or every issue of of Minimum Wage, but they weren't a ton of they weren't picks of all those. Right. You know, if at the most there's one. You know. That's just timing. Yeah. And, and circumstance. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting. So uh, those are your picks of the week stats, your picks of the week by the numbers. We'll be back with those next year for next year's picks. Until then, this is the last show of the year. And uh, so that we've recorded, you're going to hear something else. Last pick of the week show of the year. Next week, you'll have yeah. the all media year end roundup with me, Josh Flanagan, and Mike Romo talking about the year that was in film, television, books, podcasts video games and comics hours just hours of talking so that'll be next week that'll have to hold you through the holiday season because we won't be back until january 11th with episode 467 of the pick of the week so there'll be a lot for you to dig into that show and i get to, i get to listen to the all media year-end show this year because i wasn't on it so i'm excited to see what uh, what you guys liked i mean there's an unfortunate part where mike just goes on a racist rant but other than that <laughs> oh. it's it's a It'll be a fun show for everybody. What did Kuala Lumpur do to him? <laughs> so uh, check that out next week. you find that on the feed just as you would this show. You can find it at the website. It'll all be there. And the, you can find it at ifanboy.com where you can talk about this show. You can talk about this week's books. You can talk about all the skeletons in your closet. You want to make some confessions? We'll take them. We will take them. I'm you pregnant. Find all of our, all of our, whoa. We'll find all of our other podcasts there as well. The all media show will be there. Past shows, the special edition shows we do, and all the TV shows, they'll all be there at ifanboy.com. And I totally just opened something in front of the thing I was supposed to. Sorry. Uh, uh, follow ifanboy at twitter.com slash ifanboy, facebook.com slash ifanboy, or you can follow us individually at CS Kilpatrick. Fuzzy typewriter and Jay Flanagan. Did I mentioned I've had four hours of sleep. After four all these years, we still need the script desperately. Plain sleep. No, it was like he went quiet and I was like, yeah. I just moved a window in front of it. Now I'm getting fuzzy beach ball and I'm just going to read through it straight. Fuzzy Dunlop. And finally, if you dig this sort of thing, you can write us a review in iTunes. Or better yet, you can tell your friends about us. Introduce your cousin Eustace to podcasts. Help us spread that iFanboy love around the Christmas tree, around the 
menorah around. It's a good show to have on while you're decorating a tree. We've had people say that they've been, you know, wrapping presents and they listen to to iFanboy. So podcasts are great for that. So enjoy. Uh, Yeah. And, and, you know, serial is ending uh, next week. So you'll be able to really get fully back. It was so good to have on the train. I had a four and a half hour train ride both ways. And I needed those serial episodes. I re-listened. It's like maybe really? maybe I missed something. Wow, I don't think that I could do it that long. I can so that, play other things, but you know. I played a, I, I I played a lot of Tiny Death Star on my iPad, <laughs> and that was really helpful to get through like a long overnight flight. But it's a problem if you've ever played Tiny Death Star because it's a complete waste of time. That is it for this week's show. That is it for this week's, this year in Pick of the Weeks. We'll be back next week with the All Media Show. We'll be back next year with the Pick of the Week. Until then, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I got to get back to Tiny Death Star now. <laughs> Thanks That's for listening. Talk to you next week and next year. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.